1: Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling. I'm Aaron Bentley. I'm going to be one of your hosts. Before we get started, I want to let everyone know to make sure that you're following us at Everything AEW on Twitter. Uh, This is, of course, the first episode of the show, so make sure you hit subscribe and get uh, Everything Elite into your feed once a week. So if you're new to AB, Aaron Bentley, uh, then this won't mean anything to you. But if you're not, if you've been around, if you were an evolved pod head, I want to introduce you, of course, to my main man, Aaron Taub. AT, it feels so good to be back together.
2: It feels so good to be chatting with you online, Aaron. Uh, glad to be here. It's good looking at you in the Google Hangouts. You all can't see it. AV has like a really nice warm sweater on <laughs> and we're just uh, getting ready to get into some casting. It's, it's great to hang out.
1: Yeah, man. Of course, could not do this without uh, AT. Uh, but folks, we've got some new friends that have come to join us. Uh, Mike Spears of Open the Voice Gate fame is here. Mike, what's up?
3: Not too much, Aaron. Thank you for having me and letting me join up with you all. I'm really stoked about all elite wrestling. And there's a lot of things going on at this company that I find very interesting. And that's kind of what pulled me towards this. So I'm glad to finally be on a cast with my good friends. It's we've been talking about me doing a show before y'all, before everything, everything evolves decided to take a break after all the unpleasantness, but I'm glad nonetheless to be doing this with y'all. I'm really stoked.
1: Yeah. Mike is going to be helping us a lot with the OWE part of All Elite Wrestling. Mike is, of course, a Dragon dragon System expert, as decided by the five-star match game, and as be- decided by anybody who uh, follows Mike on Twitter or knows him at all. But, my friends, that's not all. It's not over. There is one more member of this all-star crew, <laughs> and it's Nate, a.k.a. Epidesis. Nate, what's up?
0: Aaron, and Aaron, and Mike, how are you guys doing? A uh, pleasure to see all your lovely smiling faces on here. Just very Aaron Taub was dead on, just very wholesome with everybody like bundled up in their sweaters in front of their microphones. Uh, <laughs> I wish all our listeners could see this because it's uh it warms the heart. It's very nice to see. And I'm looking forward to discussing wrestling with you guys. Uh, especially fun. Cause I am maybe the only one that's like a genuine elite fan here on the podcast. <laughs>
1: yes. And they, we are referring to as our eliteologist uh, he been I think you've probably watched every episode of Being the Elite, right?
0: No, I haven't. I think oh, I, wow. I picked it up during the Golden Lovers angle because they were advancing storylines during it. Right. Um, we uh, I, I went to a Ring of Honor show, you know, a few months prior to that, and everybody was doing these Being the Elite memes that I did not know what they were at all. Um, uh, but yeah, I've pretty much kept up with it since then. Um, so if, if there's any. They do a lot of callbacks and shit on that show so if there's anything that we need context for hopefully i'll be somewhat familiar with it
1: all right excellent we're going to need that uh, i am going to be keeping up with bte going forward i'm sure the rest of us will but uh we'll need nate to uh, be the expert so we're going to be doing this every week so everyone knows uh, if nothing else happens within the week we're going to at least be talking about what happened on being the elite uh, but other than that of course News is kind of flying fast about AEW, uh, so anytime news breaks, you know, we'll have a weekly show to talk about that and uh, you know the rumors and all that, and hopefully eventually we'll have television to talk about uh, until we get to the first big show in May. Uh, but before that, we kind of wanted to break down what our podcast philosophy was going to be so everyone would know what to expect uh, when you uh, tune in to Everything Elite each week. If you listen to Everything Evolves, uh, A.T. and my show, I, you'll have an idea of kind of uh, how we approach wrestling. Uh, but if you don't, if you didn't listen to that show, I guess the first thing is, well, um, Rich Creach of Voices of Wrestling fame, he hit me up. He said, Aaron, I'm starting to get worried. Now that it's out there, that All Elite Wrestling hired Chris Harrington, a.k.a. Mookie Ghana, uh, a, a former Voices of Wrestling uh, staff member. I'm really worried that uh, it's getting out there too much that Voices of Wrestling is co-opted by AEW. They know Cody's in the DMs. <laughs> they know only one of the Bucks has blocked us. <laughs> what, what can I do? And I said, Rich, I've got an answer for you, my man. If there's anybody who can antagonize... A promotion, its uh, owners, the people who book it, it's the errands. We will do everything we can to make sure everybody knows Voice of Wrestling isn't co-opted. By God, the cons, Cody and the Bucks will hate us within three episodes. So we're here uh, to do that job. Uh, We got you, Rich. Don't worry. We got your back. Uh, But seriously, we are going to be antagonistic when it's warranted. Uh, we're not going to be fanboys of the show. Well, Nate is, uh, but the rest of uh, us—I
0: are... said I was a fan. I don't know about fanboy. That's
1: quite a while. <laughs> He's we're a fan,
2: fan man.
0: Fan
1: yeah, man. That's... Sure, sure. Uh, the rest of us uh, are not going to be fanboys uh, of the show. I mean, we're going to try to enjoy the show. Uh, or, you know, whatever is coming out from All Elite for sure. That's something that Aaron and I always try to do with Evolve. We're going to try to enjoy it, but we're going to talk about it um, critically when that's necessary. Uh, I think what would be important at this part is for everybody to kind of talk about what brought them to wanting to do this show, why you're interested in All Elite Wrestling. Uh, So I'm going to kind of go around, talk about that, and I hope that will lead us into some more stuff uh, that – Give everybody an idea of uh, what they're going to get from everything elite. So, AT, I want to start with you. Um, what is it specifically that has you interested in all elite wrestling?
2: Yeah, well, I guess first I wanted to say that I'm kind of be going to be taking like a back seat on this podcast. I probably won't be on every episode or most episodes. I'm going to pop in here and there. I just um, as listeners of everything evolves, uh, our old show, are uh, aware you know I'm very involved uh, in my local chapter the Democratic Socialists of America uh here in in Queens uh, and I just like don't have the time to be a good podcaster once a week and to be like super on top of stuff and listening to wrestling observer radio and making sure I'm on top of all the scoops and all the stuff that that uh Aaron and Nate and Mike are gonna do to be really, Elite podcasters, um, so I'm just going to be kind of popping in here and there uh, when I can, and, and doing my best to, to help the team out, spell some spell some folks when stuff in their schedule arises that they can't make it on the show. Um, but I'm really excited about all Elite Wrestling because it's just so exciting to see like real competition and pro wrestling. I hate the WWE. Um, I think their monopoly of U.S. wrestling is it's bad for wrestlers. Um, it's bad for fans. And I've had this sort of theory for several years now that um, like WWE is almost like kind of like it reminds me of sort of like the 2008 economic crash where it's like you had all these mortgage backed securities and people were buying stocks in these packages of loans and sort of like the loans that they were buying at the top were like good and given to people who could pay them back. And there was a sort of like sheen of legitimacy. But then underneath, like, the loans people were buying, like, a stake in were just, like, awful loans given to people who never were going to be able to, like, afford to own the home or pay their mortgages. And I feel like WWE is like that, where they're making a ton of money off these TV uh, contracts. But if you look at the underlying, like, fundamental, like, metrics, like, viewership is going down, attendance is going down, um, everybody who... Like, their biggest customers hate them. Like, their biggest customers have an antagonistic relationship to WWE, right? And WWE, like, doesn't give a shit what their fans want and and will sort of, like, just explicitly give them what they don't want. And um, it just felt like their audience is people who, who constantly complains about WWE but watches it every week but, like, just need something different. and Not even something different. Something that's, like... Sports entertainment like WWE, but done well, right? Um, where the stories make sense and they're not just like spitting in your face and insulting your intelligence all the time. Um, and I think that like the only thing that's been keeping those people from jumping is having an alternative that was like major league and had major stars and high production values and, and, and pyro and like all the things that you like about WWE because it's a big company with a lot of money. Um, AEW is going to have that they're going to have chris jericho they're going to have real stars in the young bucks like the young bucks are over in a way that like no one in the wwe is actually over like people they're people legitimately care about them in the way that like people don't care about people in wwe right now and i just think it's really exciting to see what aew can do like they have the money they have the production values they have the stars and it's like this is real competition and and, and it's like it's not an alternative. Like it's not like ring of honor and the mid aughts where they were like, we're giving you real wrestling. Like this is going to be sports entertainment. We've seen being the elite. This is just going to be, it's going to be good. And I'm really <laughs> excited to see what happens. That was, I think that's, I think I kind of stole Nate's take. Um, so.
0: On, no, on, you yeah. uh, I'll, I'll jump in. Uh, yeah. Uh, we have a similar sort of perspective. I think you're sort of uh, a little more of like the optimistic view of it. Whereas I'm yeah. like, you know, you like get out there and do things to help where I'm like more nihilistic um, in my <laughs> approach to it. Um, but yeah, my sort of uh, I only watched wWE for a long time, uh, and you know, I pretty much always hated it. and uh, I hate the the me that did watch all that wWE because it was so bad such a waste of time. Um so yeah, my my main sort of investment in wrestling is basically everything that's contrary to the wWE. So things like, paying off storylines, which BTE and All In actually do, and things like uh, presenting people somewhat authentically, which are, uh, you know, strengths of uh, the guys in the elite and and like in New Japan. And, um, you know, basically everything that the WWE doesn't do, you know, people getting invested in characters in the long-term and long-term storytelling and wins and losses that matter. All that stuff is, like, I just go fucking wild for it because it's what the WWE has been terrible at for so long. So uh, I, I'm just going to, like, embrace my dumb on this. I did the same at All In and ended up having a great time. So, uh, yeah, basically, WWE sucks, and it's great to have sort of watched the uh, winds of change as, like, the young bucks have graduated from indies to pwg to ring of honor to new japan and like continued to build and build and build um and actually sort of create genuine competition you we've already seen aew outbid a fair amount of talent and uh yeah i'm like hoping that continues to be the case and uh, they can present sports entertainment that's actually entertaining Mike,
1: uh, let's go to you. What what about this? See, what Aaron and Nate are talking about, I don't think really applies to you. So I, I'm interested in, um, I know that you wanted to do a podcast with us. And so uh, yeah. glad to have you for that. But, you know, we're going to be doing this weekly. There's got to be something that draws you into the product. So what is it?
3: Well, there's kind of two things that draw me into this. First and foremost, the fact that they have OWE talent and Shima along with Pac, Joining, joining the company as well. So for me, as someone that my, uh, my primary wrestling interest as people who see Voices of Wrestling or download the podcast, you all probably know, my wrestling interest is the Dragon System. That is Dragon Gate going back to 98. And then also how OWE kind of has spun off from it over the last year. So the fact that both sides of the Dragon System are involved, at least initially with the same company, is really intriguing to me and i find it real interesting just to kind of see this in a lot of ways for me i cover what happens in dragon gate in japan for like the native company but this is seeing the uh, the uh, the brother that left the home in a lot of the way because when shima and the strong hearts kids left dragon gate it was done in such an abrupt fashion and they just kind of disappeared and started reappearing in other places that's kind of interesting to me like like charting their travels in a lot of way and I, I don't have any illusions that we're going to be seeing all these kids from OWE initially it just because there's a lot of logistical things that we can get into later about that's gonna make it a little difficult but just seeing this talent that I've followed exciting to me and I just like seeing things get built up like how Nate and Aaron said this is a real alternative in a way that we have not seen since the Monday Night Wars like TNA. I'm sorry, but your little Monday night show where homicide got stuck in the cage and it just was incredibly awkward. That really wasn't it. Uh, Ring of Honor is never going to be that alternative just because of the aims of the Sinclair Broadcast Group don't coincide with the Ring of Honor management making it into a thing. And as much as I enjoy New Japan, and I'll be interested to see how much New Japan gets evolved in all elite wrestling. I don't think that they're ever going to focus in the United States the same way that they will natively in Japan. So seeing like this fledgling company being built up and and without sounding really uh, cheesy with a real, it, there's a real do-it-yourself aesthetic to this. That's completely, that's completely lost in wrestling. And as someone who listens to a lot of punk and metal music, I find that appealing as well. So I've got a lot of things that kind of really interest me into this, but Bentley, what, What brought you into this? Because it seems like be like the exact opposite of something that I feel like you'd be into.
1: Yeah, but it's that last part that you were talking about, Mike, which is, okay, so I went to All In really just because a lot of people that I'm friends with were going. And I was like, okay, uh, it would be great to see everybody. But the other thing was, this is a thing, right? Like, this is something you wanted to be at because it was something that hadn't happened I mean, it was WCW it was the last American company to sell 10,000 seats, right? And so it felt like it was going to be something that was going to be something I would remember, even if nothing happened after that. But Aaron Taub and I uh, talked at length on Everything Evolves. I downloaded the episode recently to go back to listen to it of like what could come from all in. We recorded this right after they sold 10,000 seats. In like what thirty seconds or whatever long it took, and uh, we talked about how this could really build to something, and put that in the in the Aaron's were right folder because uh, it's becoming what we thought it could be. So I do love that. I love that do it yourself. I love that the Bucks and Cody feel like real people, and I know Co- the Bucks more than Cody, but it feels like real people getting to do what they want. Uh, it's the same reason like, yes, you could say, yeah, the real people, but they're getting paid all this money to do this. It's the same reason I love watching the NBA draft. It's because I get to see people uh, fulfill their dreams. And to me, that's like really fun. That just makes me excited and I, I, I'm happy for them. And I'm so happy for these guys. Wrestling has become something where you don't root for the characters. You root for the people, the good wrestling anyway. And here we have people that we can root for. We want them to succeed. We can see them succeed. I really enjoy that. Now, I was at All In and I was like, okay, this product isn't really for me. Like I had a lot of fun. I just kind of went with it. But like a lot of the in-jokes on BTE and that kind of stuff, it's like I wasn't the target audience. You know, if you don't know me, I watch a lot of uh, pro indies. I watch I'm getting into a lot more Joshi. I hardly watch any American wrestling. Uh, I watch a lot of New Japan, but so it wasn't really my thing, but it was fun. Right. So that was cool. I thought it wouldn't really be for me when they announced All Elite. I was like, great. I'm excited for a new game in town, but I'm not sure that I'll go crazy for this. And then they had that rally and I watched it just because, again, I thought it was like a thing I needed to see. And it completely sold me. Like I was nervous when they brought out Conrad Thompson and then they brought out SCU But uh, when they announced the OWE thing, I was like, oh, this is real. This is like a promotion. It's going to they know what they're doing. They're doing it all right. Um, I'm not really a huge Jericho fan, but I'm like, oh, when they bring out Jericho, it's like, wow, this is this is really happening. So they sold me on it. Um, I'm excited to give it a shot. And what what I understood from Brandy talking about women uh, in the promotion is that it's going to be I think they're going to be bringing in Joshi. So uh, I'm a Joshi guy. If they have some sort of, which we're going to talk later about promotional partners, uh, if they do something with stardom or something like that, then that's going to be a lot of fun for me. So
0: that's what I'm looking forward to. Um, and I think Yeah, that- let me, uh, I, I, if I can jump in. Then yeah, please. I'll sort of segue us into the next uh, thing we want to talk about probably. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, we're not like, we're a little dumb. We're not super dumb. Obviously it's like not, actually diy and punk because it is like owned by a billionaire family <laughs> right <Sure. laughs> but uh, uh, sure, i totally get what you mean because the youtube series was certainly diy and it was literally them you know just with their cell phones shooting and editing shit. um so yeah i think that's sort of the appeal is kind of watching uh the young bucks who started you know at the bottom of the wrestling ladder and cody who voluntarily jumped down to the bottom of the wrestling ladder and started slumming it in every indie from you know, LaSalle, Illinois to, to everywhere else around the country uh, and seeing them kind of make good on what they were doing in the uh, kind of grassroots audience that they were attracting and actually drawing to Ring of Honor shows and making Ring of Honor like a normie promotion for uh, the time that it was when they were there. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that That I think we're all sort of probably on the same page that that's a lot of the appeal, even though, of course, having uh, billionaire, football and soccer team owners is kind of necessary to actually have the capital to compete with the WWE.
1: Yeah. And I want to be real upfront about one thing. Um, I hate to say this over and over and we'll stop probably after this episode, but if you listened to everything evolves, you know that AT and I both come from a a pro worker perspective uh, when it comes to labor issues. And we like to talk about labor issues as it relates to wrestling. We're going to keep doing that on this show. So there were some people when we announced this uh, and by some people, I mean like one or two who were like, Oh, you know, we don't really want to listen to people talk about politics on our wrestling podcast. Well, you're going to get that here. However, what we are going to try to do is, well, when it's news, we are going to talk about it at the top of the show, like anybody else would uh, like any show would do for news. Uh, but we are going to try to keep some of that put back toward the end of the show. And this isn't because um, I really care what uh, two or three people on Twitter think about how we want to run our show. It's more because we want AT to be involved and he kind of wanted to be able to come in as uh, as his schedule allows. And we wanted to have a little corner for AT and we thought it would be fun for that to largely be about uh, labor issues. So that's kind of what we're doing. And look, if you don't like Uh, the talk about that kind of stuff, you're welcome to turn it off. You've already downloaded it. We already got your download. So we're excited. We're happy. Uh, But you're welcome to turn it off. But hey, if it's not your thing, uh, labor issues from a pro worker perspective, give it a shot. Maybe you'll hear something that you think is interesting. Shoot us a line. We're always happy to talk. Uh, Again, Twitter is at everything AEW. And maybe we'll start a little conversation about something. But I do want everybody to know that that is going to be part of this show. So. You've been warned.
2: Yeah, and, like, don't hold me to that. I don't know. We, like, had an idea originally, like, um, before we started this, like, after Everything Evolves, we wanted to do a show where we, like, talked about, like, we reviewed, like, a wrestling match on the front end and then, like, a socialist political theory thing on the back end. And um, I was like, maybe we could do something like that on this show and that way people, like, they get the wrestling talk and then, like, they can, you know, But, you know, we can do our thing for, like, the, you know, 100 people who, like, really loved Everything Evolves, you know, or, like, loved our version of that show. Um, But I don't know. I I really, uh, I don't want to overpromise because my schedule has been uh, pretty wild. Like, they, um, you know, they're trying to build, like, an Amazon headquarters here and we're, we're organizing against it. So it's been just, like, a lot of stuff on that end. So. I don't know. There's gonna be stuff at the back that's like left, but I but we like that's a work in progress. So I don't wanna like overpromise right. anyone. Anything.
0: If nothing else, uh there's one like pro worker uh aim that I think everyone on the podcast and listening to the podcast room probably agree on, and that's that uh the destruction of Vince McMahon is a pro worker aim. Uh <laughs> and we're all gonna be sort of working and speaking toward that together.
2: Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Big big 10 anti McMahonism. Oh, and
0: and, uh, you should follow the New York 64 uh, tournament on Twitter as well. Let's uh, get a plug in for that.
2: Yeah, for sure.
1: Okay, so now we're going to get into what you might say we should have gotten into at the start of the show. But no, (laughs) that's not how we do it here. Uh, We're actually going to talk about All Elite Wrestling a little bit. Now, if you're listening to this show, you probably already know what's going on with AEW. You're probably on Twitter Uh, You might even read The Observer, so you kind of know what's going on. But we just want to have kind of a baseline of facts. So we're going to go through some stuff here of uh, what's going on with uh, AEW. uh, And guys, feel free to jump in uh, where you want to. But So the owners of AEW are Shad and Tony Khan, the the billionaires that we were talking about earlier. Uh, Shad also owns the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Fulham Football Club. Uh, As of December, Khan's net worth was $6.4 billion, which of course is an obscene amount of money. Uh, And we're going to say that on the show. We're going to say that uh, a lot of that should uh, be taken away from him to contribute to a functioning state. Uh, But for now, he remains one of the 400 richest Americans uh, and one of the richest people in the world, of course, Uh, to put that in um, or to compare it a little bit, Vince McMahon it's supposed to have about three and a half billion dollars. So even though it's hard for like human brains to differentiate between those two ridiculous numbers, it's like almost double Tony Khan or Shad Khan rather is like twice as wealthy <laughs> as Vince McMahon. So something to keep in mind. Uh, Shad is so rich that he once tried to buy Wembley stadium for about 600 million pounds.
3: Yeah. And that's something that he tried last year. That was a really big thing. Like, For people who aren't really into soccer or aren't from the U.K., Wembley Stadium is a huge, huge deal. It's like the equivalent of if someone tried to buy Madison Square Garden in the States. So he had this money just laying around trying to buy (laughs) this. So who's to say what kind of cash influx he's going to throw around? He's liquid, Is is basically the point (laughs) of that.
1: Yeah. Now, after it kind of came out that they were buying this, they did put out a press release of like, Okay, we're not gonna be diverting money from the Jaguars or, or Fulham or any of their other investments. So we, we don't know how much money they're gonna sink in, but we're gonna talk more later about what we kind of know about the money that they're putting into it so far. Uh, a little more on Shad and Tony. Uh, Shad came to the United States at age 16, so uh, Tony's lived here his whole life. He is, Tony, is a longtime observer subscriber, and there are rumors that he was a poster on DVDR. Um, <laughs> Nate tells me he's a harsh star raider, So
0: yeah now was they they dug up one of his uh, house show reports I think from a show in Champaign uh, okay. and yeah he was pretty uh, he was pretty stiff on a Cody match even
1: oh no uh, everybody probably has seen the old tweets where he talks about liking Cesaro and uh, Brian Danielson and Kenta and Nigel McGinnis uh, he's about 36 years old so I mean pe- everybody said this but he's like the people on this show he's like most people listening to the show um, he would have been called a smark in an, in another uh, age, I, I suppose. Uh, and he's definitely a real poster. Uh, I've seen some tweets of him, you know, people, what did he tell some guy to go to hell the other day? Who was ragging yeah. on his uh, football team?
0: <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we all, we know somebody who's DMs he slid into already, nobody uh, affiliated with VOW, but uh, he's out there watching the tweets and replying to people. And uh, yeah, he's uh I don't know if he's as online as us, but he's certainly online.
2: Yeah. and like I think that's like another thing that makes this promotion really interesting is it does sort of feel like I was talking about it on Twitter, but I just feel like it's like the triumph of the smark in the sense when you can trace this promotion to WWE, it's like WWE has this like very old school mentality. They hate their fans. like or or they're just sort of like I mean they hate their fans, but also they're like, Oh, the marks, they don't know what they want. You gotta, you know, like. Shit on their faces. Or, you know, they're not like that. But, You know, like this, this, this sort of like very like cloistered insider mentality of like you know we don't want to um, you know for a it's long carny. time. But, yeah, car It's this Carnic culture of like we're the insiders, we're the wrestlers, and these are the outsiders. And I think that when you look at someone like Tony Khan, who is just like a smart, like grew up reading the Observer and having his dad fly him to go to ECW. And you see his statement about like the, you know, that he put out when this company was founded about, you know, the wrestling community and it brings us all together. And when you look at the Young Bucks, right, what made the Young Bucks special at first when they really first started to break through was that they were really breaking through that fourth wall. And they were really whereas other wrestlers had sort of pushed fans away or sort of been like, you know, we have to work the marks like. The young books were really bringing people in and they were very open about who they were and what their lives were like. And they were posting videos on Twitter, you know, kind of uh, talking about, um, you know, what their lives are like. And and being the elite was like a blog, you know, a video blog of, you know, kind of behind the scenes. And and the idea of like sort of we know this is a thing. We know that this isn't real or we know that wrestling is, you know, a work you know, it's a work, like, let's have fun with it. And what's like, play around with that um, is something that, um, you know, really made them stand out when they were first becoming big indie stars. And I feel like this is sort of that culture has is ascendant, like, everyone's an internet fan. Now, everyone reads the observer or a website that um, plagiarizes from the observer. Um, and so I think that it's, it's really exciting that it's like, it feels like um, you know, this this culture and this community that we're a part of is like kind of um it feels like this is an expression of that. It's as much as like our culture and community can be expressed by like a company backed by like a billionaire <laughs> whatever, right? Yeah. Does that make I, sense? Is that
1: big, fun, like you know, have that. a culture?
0: I yeah. I totally agree. I I think that's um the sort of genius of the marriage of like the Bucks and Tony Khan. Cause I, I mean, I think it was like five years ago or something when I said the Bucks were like the first postmodern tag team. Cause they started referencing their own five-star matches and Dave Meltzer and all this shit and it got hugely over. Yeah. Yeah. And Meltzer driver and all that. And then, but they're, they're also the same way. They sort of like, you know, it's, they're, they're working, they're workers, but they, Talk about oh you know BT it's all family you know everyone's welcome here, and you know uh, uh, they've and they've said that explicitly on Twitter and um, that's that's one point in in it being more of like a community than uh, an antagonistic relationship where the WWE's working us or whatever, um, and then the other point was uh, well Meltzer most recent uh, Wrestling Observer Radio he was talking about. The stuff that Vince McMahon thinks gets over with the mainstream does not get over with the mainstream. The stuff that the Smarks like, the Ricochavers, Will Osprey, is the stuff that gets over with non-wrestling fans. And he talked about his son in particular, and he's talked about in the past with like introducing people to CMLL. And that's you know I think we're going to see that play out with Tony Khan's uh, vision or understanding of wrestling from the glory days of Ring of Honor that that's the stuff that gets over with people. Cause that's, what's actually good. Whereas this McMahon's P jokes and, you know, fat jokes and all that shit, uh, is not what actually gets over with normal people. Cause it's abnormal.
2: Right. And it's like the WWE for so long has like, like, their whole thing is like the public will, the mainstream public will not like pro wrestling. So we have to have, you know, TNA, you know, tits and ass and, and, you know, and Stone Cold with a beer truck and like whatever is on Monday Night Raw right now, like that's what's gonna get make reg, like sort of people who don't like wrestling like wrestling. And what AEW is presupposing is that like actually wrestling is cool. People are gonna like we're just gonna do wrestling and have fun with it and 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 see where it goes. And I think that's exciting. And then the other sort of like contrast is like AEW is rooted in like an actual community that kind of exists like we all saw like the young bucks and some of these indie wrestlers who were going to be on this company in like small little gyms and you can go up to talk to them and you may have like mutual friends or like mutual like internet friends with them and whereas like wwe has created this like totally artificial idea of a wwe universe that is fake and like Everyone inside of it uses like weird jargon that no one ever would, would talk about. And like, so I just think it's an interesting, like, sort of contra- you know, sort of like uh, juxtaposition, I guess, of uh, a contrast of like this sort of like real community that they're trying to like build this AEW on versus kind of this like totally artificial, bizarro corporate symposium wrestling, or some symposium of community. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I went to see uh, this wasn't in a, you know, a this wasn't a basketball gym indie, but I saw a Ring of Honor house show in Indianapolis and the Bucks were in the main event. And, but it was like a eight man tag or something. And after all the other wrestlers had left, they walked around the front row at least and uh, shook everyone's hand and thanked them for coming. And it was like, oh, these dudes are, I mean, they're working, but these dudes are legit, you know? Uh, so I, I feel like the Bucks, I don't get people who hate the Bucks. Like, if you don't like their matches, I get that. Like, that's totally legitimate. But um, they're the kind of guys you want to root for, I think. Uh, that brings us to uh, the executives in All Elite Wrestling. Of course, Cody, the Bucks, um, Brandy, who is the chief brand officer. Uh, d- do we know Matt's wife's name? We do know that, right?
0: Dana. Uh, Dana Massian. Dana.
1: I was going to say Deanna, so I, but now I've said it. Uh, Dana Massey uh, and the Pro Wrestling Tees guy. I guess Dana has been uh, the unsung hero with merch all these years, getting all the merch out. Um, I don't know what else she does with the merch, but she's the merch person. So I think she's really a bigger deal than any of us have any idea.
3: Yeah, to my knowledge, basically, ever since the Bucks started their scent, she handled all their merch sales. I don't know if she did all the designs, but I know that, pretty much the whole online interface was ran out of Matt's and her house. Right. And when there was the talk about their LLC last year, the killing the business LLC, I believe it was registered in it was once their house or their apartment at one time. So she's really been like the backbone. I think that there's other things that she's done as well. I know that she, I know that Nick does most of the editing, but I know that a lot of times when both of them are on film, And you can't see their hands where it's not an obvious selfie as Aaron's looking at me as I'm making the gesture of where the the camera is very obviously not controlled by them. The belief usually is if the, is if Dana is on tour with them, like this last few weeks when they were in Japan, often it would be Dana or Nick's wife cam being the camera operator for that. And so, I mean, she's kind of the, as you were saying, she really is the unsung hero of this in a lot of ways.
1: And it kind of ties in the other exec uh, that we've heard about is uh, Chris Harrington, a.k.a. Mukigano, Ghana, who we talked about, who apparently is a, a vice president uh, and in charge of kind of the, the business side of what's going on. Um, Yeah, that's one
0: other, uh, that's a motivating factor we forgot to include that we are all doing this podcast because we're hoping to get hired as vice presidents. That is, of course, that we kind of buried the lead on that, but that is our number one biggest concern here.
1: Yeah, I'd like to be the vice president of Twitter and uh, just post, vice president of posting, I guess would have been a better title for me. Um, We learned on the latest WrestleNomics that Mookie was apparently working uh, with Tony Khan uh, before even All In happened. So uh, about six months ago was the report on WrestleNomics. And he would know. This is what's interesting to me about the Mookie thing, and it ties into the Dana thing. They, including uh, the cons, they brought in not only the people who actually made this work, but they brought in people who have sh- who have demonstrated that they know this business. Uh, not just did they go and find some kind of uh, financial business person, you know, like Harold or something, you know, somebody like that who had run some other successful business, but they are trusting that the people within this community can get the job done, that uh, Matt's wife can continue to get the job done, that somebody like Mookie uh, knows what he's talking about. Now I know that Mookie like does this stuff, did this stuff in real life before he ever uh, went to work for all elite wrestling, but I just think it's, it's impressive to me uh, from the cons perspective that they are not being the kind of people who are like, oh, we got to we know business. We're going to bring in the business people. And they're like, no, these people know wrestling and uh, we're going to let them do the wrestling thing. As far as the other uh, talent that's involved, we're just, quick rundown, you probably know these names by now. Um, <laughs> I've, I've moved Kenny Omega to the bottom and somebody has typed him back in to make sure that I didn't miss him. Uh, Adam Page, uh, we know Chris Jericho is involved, uh, even though his deal uh, is not exclusive. He apparently can still work in New Japan. SCU, Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, Scorpio Sky, uh, Pac, uh, formerly Neville in WWE, Shima and the OWE crew, uh, Britt Baker. And apparently they are looking at other uh, Joshi talent, including Mayu Iwatani, who uh, allegedly turned him down. MJF, Joey Janela, Penelope Ford. Uh, Billy Gunn, who I think is only going to be backstage, but who knows? Uh, Billy's son, Austin Gunn, is said to have some role with the company. And yes, it does seem inevitable that Kenny Omega will join uh, the promotion at some point. I think this is a pretty impressive talent group. Uh, I was worried that it was just going to be, we'll just bring over all the people that were in ROH and try to make it into a promotion. Uh, Or it would just be the Bucks and Cody and their friends, which there's some of that. But you also have Pac, Shima. uh, You have um, Kenny Omega, maybe, which is their friend. But I feel like they're bringing in other things to make this like a real promotion, a real talent list. And we can have like real matches and feuds.
3: Right. I was actually talking to my brother about all of this. He goes to PWG all the time. He's really clued into wrestling. And he brought up a point, it was like, oh, so you got Joey Janela, who was the huge star for GCW, and of course, Janela Spring Break, you got MJF, who's been all around, and it's particularly he's been in MLW. And then you're grabbing all these people who at least their American obligations were towards Ring of Honor. Like you would think that that's what they were totally doing. But no, they're picking people who have obligations elsewhere. So they're, they're finding people who have different audiences that they're bringing into this so it's not just the people who are usually on being the elite like if this was just people who are just on being the elite i probably wouldn't be on this call right now (laughs) but for this i find it real interesting and uh, before before we move on a little bit something about pock he is not under dragon gate contract in any sort of manner he the 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 rumor going around for a while was that he was going to stick till the end of Dragon Gate's big show of the year, which is in July, called Kobe World, because he's currently the Open the Dream Gate champion, which is the big title for the promotion. But it's starting to look a little bit more like he might be leaving a little bit sooner. So there might be something going on that, with how these contracts might end up being, and I know we're going to get into that in a little bit. But it's it's Pock might be around a little bit more than I expected. I think it's to be a big thing leading up to this first show.
1: For sure. Uh, that first show is called Double or Nothing. It's going to be on May 25 at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. And there was a tease at the rally that Adam Page and Pac is going to be the big match or one of the big matches on that show. I'm sure a Jericho match will also be big. Uh, but there was a specific tease for that match, uh, which we will talk about a lot more as uh, May 25 approaches. The second show is going to be in Jacksonville, Florida, which, of course, you know the, the Jaguars are based there. And uh, the only thing we know about that show so far is that the proceeds from the show, or some of the proceeds from the show, are going to be going to causes related to uh, people who have lost uh, loved ones due to gun violence. And uh, Dave Meltzer says that's an important issue to uh, Tony Khan, uh, especially, and uh, there was the shooting in Jacksonville uh, at the Madden tournament. So, I mean, it kind of, he doesn't, that doesn't have to happen for Tony Khan to care about this issue, but it's a little more uh a little more there at home for him because of that. Okay, TV. Here's what we know about TV so far. Uh, Jericho, after signing, strongly suggested a TV deal was coming and that it was going to be a big deal, uh, You know, something that he wanted to be part of. Meltzer has said that they were deciding between two, quote, strong deals. Uh, Nate reports that Cody winked at the camera uh, in one of the press scrum videos when TV came up. Uh, and there's just a lot of talk that Turner – or the Turner networks are one of the bidders. And if you go back to when they were registering trademarks, uh, there was a Tuesday night trademark that was registered. So, and it, like TNT, it kind of works. Uh, I don't know. There's also talk about the bleacher report over the top service. Uh, so we don't know yet, but it sounds like there's going to be something big.
3: Yeah. Now- oh, sorry. I was going to say that the bleacher report thing is really interesting because there's been some t- rumors about that, Maybe the weekly show is on this Bleacher Report service, which Turner's launching. Of course, Turner owns Bleacher Report. And an idea that this is just a rumor, I've never had it sourced or anything, so I'm not actually reporting news here. But the rumor was that they would have like their weekly show and then also a talk about doing some a similar to the old Clash of the Champions format, where there would be a, a quarterly live show on TBS. So there's the potential of that in... That's something that I heard that if they're doing, I think that's really awesome possibility. I think that that's smart because you still have your TV exposure, which is still incredibly important. And that's how you get your money in sports nowadays. But you have the OTT service, which I mean, we're moving more and more from a disconnected media landscape. So getting in on, on the ground floor and there's a lot of OTT services that are just throwing around money like crazy.
1: For sure. And you know, it's not just the talent list that we talked about earlier. They're going to be working clearly with other promotions, having relationships with them. We know about OWE. We know that they are able to use MLW talent uh, because we learned in a Fightful article, I believe today, that MJF has a two-year deal with MLW uh, and that Joey Janelle is on a per-show basis with MLW. But clearly there's not exclusivity there. Um, It's looking stronger and stronger that they're going to have a relationship with New Japan. Uh, Now, New Japan does have this issue with Ring of Honor because they have the MSG show. Uh, but they obviously are going to need some draws in 2019 as they have this very ambitious schedule. They'd like to have Kenny, uh, but also, you know, they've used the bucks and Jericho and Cody. I mean, I I think they're going to want to use these guys. So I don't think there's any reason why they won't end up working together. Uh, It looks like stardom could be involved. Uh, Again, Rossi has clearly had a relationship with ring of honor, but that could be switching over. Uh, we understand from uh, our friend, Robert, friend of the show, Robert, that uh, <laughs> Tony is a PWG attendee. So, you know, he knows what's going on. And Tony also said on Xbox podcast that he went to Rev Pro and met with Andy Quinlan, which I had heard that. So it's a lot of people that he could possibly be working with. Uh, Nate, do you want to talk a little bit about, you know, potential folks who might be coming into to uh,
0: AEW? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think the main... Potential targeted talent are probably all the ones that people expect. I mean, we, Marty Skrull, I think we can kind of count as a foregone conclusion because he's been main cast on BTE for however uh, years. I don't know what it is. Uh, we, I, a lot of people have said his Ring of Honor deal is to April. Uh, our friend of the show, Robert, said that it was to November. So I obviously don't know myself, but at some point he's probably going to be out of that Ring of Honor deal. And I imagine the AEW will come calling. Uh, the Lucha brothers, who are probably the other biggest stars on the independent scene in the United States, are still under those Lucha Underground contracts. Lucha Underground did uh, allow their talent to work for, I think, basically everyone but the WWE. We've seen their talent in Ring of Honor, see their talent on All In, we've seen their talent at MLW, we've seen their talent on Impact, uh, AAA, CMLL, everywhere. Um, so it remains to be seen if. That would also bar them from working for AEW if we think they're going to be a major league, you know, and not even whatever the level above major league is, you know, because uh, uh, if we in major league wrestling is major league, then whatever WWE scale it would be. <laughs> um, Jim Ross was kind of one of the initial people that was rumored as being like a commentator or office role. Uh, and Meltzer said that his WWE deal is coming up and that he would find it believable. If Jim Ross was involved at that point, he is a Barry Bloom client, as is Chris Jericho. Other Barry Bloom client of note is Goldberg, who followed the AEW Twitter account. And uh, I'm not, I'm just gonna put this out into the universe. He's been tweeting a lot about a rematch with LA Park lately. Um, <laughs> and then there are there are the potential jumps from the Fed. Uh, uh, Barry Bloom client AJ Styles uh, is I think it was Meltzer said that he was negotiating a new deal, which would include a lot fewer dates or a reduced schedule. Uh, That probably indicates that they are concerned about uh, competing bidders for him. Uh, That's also just a little example of how having competition in the marketplace is good, because he's probably going to get more money to do less work. Uh, And then there's people like Ty Dillinger, Zach Ryder, friends with Cody. They've been pretty unsubtle on Twitter about uh, AEW. Uh, the Bucks tweeted about wrestling the Revival. The Revival tweeted about wrestling the Bucks. Uh, that shit just doesn't really happen with the elite guys anymore unless there's something behind the scenes, like most of their tweets have some meaning. Uh, and then Meltzer said, you know, look at people in the Fed that came from Ring of Honor, came from PWG, have relationships with the Bucks. Uh, and that's, you know, you would think of Al Generico, Kevin Steen, Adam Cole. Uh, and then the Hardy's deals are up in April or May, and a lot of people have been uh, bouncing those names around. So... Uh, I think that's uh, uh, sort of the the short list for people in the Fed. Um, Yeah, Mayu, I think, turned them down, but they were looking at other Joshi talent. Dave specifically mentioned Aja Kong, which is pretty cool. Sahar at Shimmer a few years ago. Um, And I've also heard just uh, Scuttlebutt, maybe Chuck Taylor, maybe Stokely Hathaway. There are supposedly some independent talents that are already on holding deals or Uh, in line for holding deals while things get off the ground. Uh, So I think they would probably fall into that category.
1: And the only other person that I wanted to mention was uh, that Conrad Thompson – I think I called him something else earlier in the show. Conrad Thompson uh, said that he does not have an official relationship with AEW. He's just friends with Tony Khan. Apparently, Tony slid into the DMs after hearing one of Conrad's podcasts, and they just kind of became buddies who talked about wrestling. So –
0: that shit happens, man. I'm, I'm, it's surprising how that shit happens sometimes.
1: Yeah. So he, I guess he just kind of asked Conrad if he would do the rally. And uh, there was no suggestion that he's uh, necessarily going to be involved with the promotion going forward. So,
0: Although they are doing a star cast with All In 2, Double or Nothing. So he would likely be involved with that.
1: Yeah. I think he'll have that kind of thing. I was just, I don't know. I'm not a big Conrad guy. So I guess that's more just me. Uh, wish casting that he will not <laughs> be <laughs> like the commentator or, you know, if it's like Jim Ross and Conrad as like the booth,
0: Ugh. that
1: sounds brutal.
0: So that would be turn left.
1: Yes. Far left. Okay. So now we're going to get into what's going to be a uh, weekly uh, segment, of course. And that's going to be talking about being the elite. I guess, uh, Mike, you could put in the being the elite. Uh, <laughs> song. <solid laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: I, I, I'll get to work on that. No, I'm just kidding. You don't do that.
0: Okay, uh, I, w- I would love a Papa Buck jam behind me. If we get some Papa Buck bed music for me, that'd be fantastic.
3: Do we'll you think a- we can commission him?
0: I, yeah, let's put that out there. Papa Buck, if you're taking commissions, uh, we're looking to make money on this podcast in about 10 years time. So we'll have yeah. it for you then.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a holding deal. <laughs> yeah, You hold and wait for us to be able to pay you. Okay, so, uh, Nate, the new BTE dropped today, so tell us what we need to know from it.
0: Yeah, so not um, a lot of factual stuff. The episode prior to this one probably had a bit more where they basically foreshadowed that Kenny Omega was going to be joining the rest of them, which we pretty much knew anyway because they've made repeated promises that they're all saying together, etc. Uh, this most recent episode opens with the box meeting with Britt Baker, uh, she has a cool PlayStation shirt. I don't know where she got that, but it was pretty cool. Uh, and they do a little callback to the Bucks murdering her boyfriend Adam Cole, um, so that's good. I, the sort of I'll, I'll try and sort of convey the things I appreciate ab- appreciate about BT when I do these, uh, and it's mostly that it's better than Monday Night Raw because they do things like have continuity. The Bucks did kill Adam Cole, so uh, it, you know they called that back, and it's like, hey, there's you know these threads actually some somewhat sort of go somewhere, even if it's a little joke. Uh, So then there's just sort of tribe log stuff. Bucks are leaving Japan talking about how change is hard and things that are new tend to be scary. But they're uh, going on this adventure with their families. I think we have the Tony Khan debut on the show. He is uh, in a shot for about half of a second when they're on the private plane flying from Japan. No, flying from Chicago. Let me think about this. They picked up Tony. You're right. You're right. They flew yeah, they, from Japan flew to from Chicago area. on a private plane, picked up Tony Khan, where I think right. he was coming from London, and then went to Jacksonville. So he appears with treats, like handing them. He has like a plate of hors d'oeuvres to give to the family there. Uh, and then we later find out that Nick's family got violently sick on the private jet. So hopefully that wasn't from whatever <laughs> Tony gave them. <laughs> so then we have them meeting back up with uh, Hangman Adam Page who just is a natural-born babyface there meeting with the Bucks, talking about how he's very excited. And this is the culmination of everything they've all been working toward. But because he's a great worker and a natural-born babyface, he says, you know, this is what you guys have been working toward, speaking to the Bucks, And that's is sort of a nice interpersonal thing you like to see from a guy like that. Okay, then they have this bit. This is a bit that's been uh, recurring on BT where Scorpio Sky says, a word which is also the name of a candy bar and then matt jackson appears and hands him the candy bar so they you know he says things like 100 grand and then matt jackson's like there with a 100 grand in his face or he's talking about a payday and he's got a payday bar there it's like a very silly skit there's not really like a real punchline, but this is the stuff that the bt fans go wild for and the stuff that i appreciate is just the amount of effort they put into this because they set up 12 shots on this youtube show for what's basically a three-minute droopy dog gag, you know, that old cartoon where the guy's trying to get rid of the annoying dog and the dog just keeps appearing in his hotel room. That's all this joke is. But they go from uh, the restaurant where Scorpio's guy is originally eating with Frank Kazarian, uh, goes to his bedroom, the jet bridge on the plane, plane taking off, plane landing, the exit of the airport, entering the parking lot, entering his rental car, uh, driving to the hotel parking lot, entering the hotel, going down the hotel hallway, entering the hotel room, and then there Matt Jackson is... Uh, handing him a Snickers bar to pay off the joke, it, uh, you know, there's not it's not actually funny, but I'm just like, hey, these guys put more effort into that three minute joke on BTE than you see on a month of Monday Night Raw, so I appreciate that. Um, and then they then we go to the AE, AEW presser. Uh, they set up Pac versus Page with a sort of cutaway to Adam Page doing a photo shoot. Matt Jackson's talking about how ripped he is and how swollen he is and doing all this silly masculine stuff. Uh, and then Matt Jackson says, well, you're not Pac-Jack, but you're getting pretty jacked. And then Paige gets kind of peeved about that. We see their face off. I think that's, I mean, I think Paige is the guy. So I think Pac is your best heel. Paige is going to be your your baby face to move forward with. I think that's the match to make. Um, and then we have a little Joey Janelle vignette. They introduced Joey as the Zandig back-breaking independent wrestling superstar, which I think is the first Zandig reference on BTE. Uh, we have some Zandig hardcore fans who will tell me if I'm correct about that. No, they wouldn't watch BT. Okay, never mind. I'm, I'm going to say that's the first <laughs> reference on BT. Uh, we learn that he's bad at football. I'm guessing this moves forward with vignettes where he's unathletic in other sports. Um, and then we get another sketch with SCU talking about how Jacksonville is the worst town they've ever been in. That's their bit. It's extremely noisy. It's obviously just some guy with a cell phone in this Jacksonville practice facility shooting it. Uh, so there's no real joke here, but again, it's like, this is like a DIY operation and that they're literally just shooting by the seat of their pants. And yet they put forth this much effort and forethought and planning into all this stuff, which is kind of the appeal. Um, then we have Cody introducing MJF to the whole gang, to the young bucks, uh, to Adam page. Uh, and the whole bit there is that MJF is super polite and professional and nice when Cody's around, but then he turns into his actual, uh, you know, shitty self, when Cody leaves the room. This um, was
1: very funny to me.
0: Oh, yeah. You think so?
1: I did and I really don't like MJF. I I don't think that he is compelling as a talker. Uh, but this was funny. Like it was this was a great bit. Yeah, yeah MJF
2: he, is good. I'm skeptical of that, but this you was no. I just uh he's good. That's my opinion.
1: Oh, but the but the payoff to this bit was the best part the like the the last part of the bit
0: which tell me that
1: when they walk off and adam page is like oh he's just like cody
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right yeah i did there was a punchline there which i didn't even take note of because
1: yeah you know, and i punchline. was like it's it was so funny to me because i was thinking wow when i first started seeing adam page in the fucking decade i was like yeah, the
0: decade was good
1: i was like this guy blows uh, he's so boring <laughs> It hurts me because he's from Virginia and I spent some time there. So, you know, I like to have a kinship, uh, but like, he's, uh, he's good now. He's very good now.
3: He had a really great bolo tie. Like yeah, yeah, I, was, good. I, You're, yeah. I, I love Western wear and I like <laughs> look at that and I was like, all right. <laughs> I see him as like the uh, as like the uh, Crockett era babyface, like walking up like the bolo tie, going into the stu- going into the studio, to wrestle, and just crowds going crazy, all the girls going crazy, forming the bolo tie. But I like that line. That line was great. He's gonna be a big star. Oh, oh yeah,
0: huge star. Uh, and Pac,
3: as you were saying, Pac's the natural person to have up against them. Like they're building this up really well.
0: Yeah, those oh, those two guys, isn't he? I for think the so. First title holder. I mean i go either way with that, but mm-hmm. I, I'm yeah. guessing it's going to be like a, a baby face on top promotion. Maybe. Um, yeah,
1: it's gotta be.
0: Yeah. Pa- Paige is the guy. Uh, I'm also very partial to him. He's from like super rural Virginia, right where my brother-in-law is from. So Aaron I go out there, my brother-in-law is trying to tell me about Jimmy Valiant and shit. And I'm like, yeah, that's all before <laughs> my time, but cool. What about Adam page. <laughs> <laughs> Adam page. Great looking guy. He also, he yeah. all, he has the best line readings on every BTE uh, I think he has like a uh, he did some video stuff in college. I think if you look at his whatever profile he did, but he and Cody have all the best lines on BT. And uh, on that on that note, that page said he was just like Cody. The other uh, one of the other appealing things, like Cody, is great on Twitter. Comports himself like a top guy. Uh, you know, just. Uh, kind of what you want to see from a guy in his position as opposed to all the geeks on WWE who are, you know, tweeting about whatever nonsense from their hotel room while they're watching the office. Um, But he, you kind of get some glimpses of the real, like, uh, you know, uh, the real, I don't know. I don't want to call him an asshole, but you can tell that he's like a real person and like shit grates on him. And he doesn't like doing shit sometimes. And he's like, you know, uh, uh, beset by, the inanity of doing all this shit with the Bucks and stuff sometime. And that's just sort of the the characterization you get from that page line. Um and then yeah, we, then we get like the actual footage of the guys entering for the AEW presser. Um there's a bunch of Pyro for Jericho that goes off. Um on that WrestleNomics episode with Mook, with uh, Christopher Harrington, Mookie Ghana. Uh he talks about how all this stuff was, you know, put together while Tony was in London, which I think kind of gives us um, some context for like, oh, they have a major league NFL production team at their disposal. They have people who can set up giant fireworks displays, build the stage, set up cameras, set up streaming, do all this shit, you know, that you know would probably think would take Ring of Honor a day to build in a stadium, whereas this is the kind of stuff that they can do on short notice while their executive is in another country. Uh, And then, yeah, they had a shitload of fireworks going off from the stadium, like a lot going off from within the stadium. You get your line about Jericho saying they're going to change the universe, and you get a uh, little cutaway with Cody saying, we're playing with live ammo now, which uh, I sort of took away from that. Like, yeah, you know, we've been doing this thing with Ring of Honor, been shooting our own angles, been making a go of it on the independent scene. Uh, Now we're playing with the big boys.
1: Say yeah! Yeah! So
0: yeah. To get that in. So yeah, that was BTE.
1: Okay. All right. Well, Nate's going to be bringing us the, the BTE recaps. And uh, I will occasionally, as I did there, just be jumping in to say uh, something I thought was funny. So now we're going to get into, um, we're going to talk some labor. We're going to talk, uh, AT just gave me a really funny look there. You don't, you don't like me saying that we're going to talk labor? I
2: don't know. Are we going to like, yeah. What are we going to, yeah. Uh, um, I, I mean, don't know. I mean, <laughs> we don't know have to make <laughs> like a big deal about it. Like, we just talk about it like normal, you know. We don't have to be like,
3: Wow. you know.
0: Now we're going to, we need theme music. We need like a big fanfare for like, here comes I the labor talk.
3: I, I'll, <laughs> I'll get to work yeah. on that. I'll get to work. Yeah. Right.
2: Uh, <laughs> the Billy Bragg bumper or something like that. Yeah.
3: It, it's it's paper <laughs> Corner Music. Okay, <laughs> good. It's in my editing notes. It's going to happen, guys. Beautiful. We're
2: coming
1: from a show, at least I'm coming from a show, where we basically just oh. had preview and review shows. Yeah, It was, like, really yeah. easy to set up the segments. So, yeah, uh, this is a little more challenging, and it's going to get better as we go along. So, we'll get there. Get there. So, OK, uh, we're going to close out with with this talk, which is just some of the stuff that was kind of uh, promised or suggested at the rally. That's got a lot of buzz. Uh, we don't want to lead off with this because it's been talked about a lot. Uh, but I think we're going to have some different takes that uh, you haven't heard elsewhere. And so we still thought it was important to talk about. And we're covering this promotion. So uh, you don't need to go to other podcasts to hear little bits of talk about this promotion. You can come here and hear a podcast that's focused on this promotion and only talks about this promotion. So yeah,
0: unsubscribe from all your other podcasts that you've subscribed to. They're just, they're obsolete now. Yes. Right. You guys.
1: Yes. I'm, I'm giving the hard sell. So, so yes, we, we've mentioned this already, but we do understand uh, that billionaires own this promotion and that it is intended uh, for the purpose of making profit. So, you know, we're not under any illusions of that. I can already uh, I can already say the Twitter accounts that will be in our mentions uh, dragging us for uh, like I think some people are just mad that we think they think that if we are leftists, we can't even like a a capitalist. You can like any promotions, I guess, if you have our politics. So And, and we also understand we're not idiots that they're kind of positioning themselves as a worker friendly promotion to attract talent. I mean, it's a a business strategy, and I appreciate that. Uh, But let's talk about some of the things that it sounds like, at least they're promising. And we're going to be the first people to uh, hold their feet to the fire if they don't follow through on these things. Uh, But there's some good stuff here. The first one is, it sounds like they're going to pay a lot more than people are used to making outside of WWE. Uh, Cody promised that they were going to be paying the workers what they're worth. We know that's not true. We know that. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> is about uh, getting the excess value from the worker. Um things to keep in mind, you know, your your pro sports usually you got about a 50-50 split between uh, for income between labor and management. WWE pays talent about 8 to 13% of their income. So at the very least, all the is going to have to pay more than 8 to 13% of uh, income to live up to what they're talking about.
3: But yeah. of- go ahead. I was gonna say yeah, and that eight to thirteen percent is before those deals kick in—the Fox and the new NBC Universal yeah. deals going in. So I mean, this percentage realistically could be dropping from eight percent downwards to four or five percent, maybe even lowest three. It right. just—it like the split is just outright deplorable, to be quite honest.
1: Yes, but. You know, what we're seeing here from AEW so far is good because we're hearing that the holding contracts are in the six figures. Uh, there are credible reports that the deals are competitive with WWE. Uh, Jericho apparently said it's his best contract ever. I'm assuming on an annual basis. So, you I,
0: my, I, I think it's probably it's his best contract ever if you look at rate per date. Like, I don't know okay. if he's grossing the same amount of money over the same amount of time as he might have been in the WWE, but... I, you know, Dave said this was going to be a TV focused promotion. We don't really know what it looks like. We don't know if they're doing weekly TV, if they're taping weeks of TV in advance, if they're doing, you know, weekly OTT shows, building up to big quarterly shows or something like that. But we can safely assume that they're working way fewer dates because they're not doing the insane house show schedule, which the WWE does not even make money on. But you know, Jericho's not going to be riding up and down the road uh, for what they were paying him. He's making more money per date, I think it's safe to say, uh, assuming he's working way fewer dates than he would in the Fed.
1: Right. And I mean, what we know for sure is that the WWE was trying hard to get these guys. So we were told at Hangman Page, not we were told, people were told <laughs> that Hangman Page was offered main roster money and a push as a top star to do NXT. Um, so, yes, it's, conceivable that hangman page would take less than what wwe offered because he sees this as a, a better path right but it had to be in the ballpark the guy's not going to come work for peanuts to work with his buddies i don't think uh when he was offered some big huge deal by wwe uh same well i mean not quite the same for the box they have different motivations but they were allegedly offered uh, about what uh, aj styles makes which we know uh, is apparently a lot of money including being in the Rumble and having BTE as her regular weekly network show, which this cracks. This thought cracks me up, like how bad being the elite would be on the network. <laughs> all right. So that's what we know about the money, which I think is all good. Um, this is the more interesting part to me. I mean, I, I want everybody to get paid all the money. I, I hope they break the cons by having all that money uh, go to the workers instead. But there, there may be health insurance involved in this promotion. For the first time, as far as I know, in a wrestling promotion. Uh, what, what we're kind of told is that guys who are, you know, the top guys, uh, who have office roles are also going to be full-time employees and get health insurance. Uh, you know, there was a, a weaselly comment from Khan that the goal eventually is for, uh, all their talent to have health insurance. Okay. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i heard that. Uh, but then the underneath guys, it looks like, are, are going to be actual independent contractors. They can work elsewhere. Now, I've seen this posed as like, uh, you know, they talk this big game about health insurance, but the uh, underneath guys are going to be independent contractors. That's not in and of itself a bad thing. Like, here's the the problem is WWE says people are independent contractors, but doesn't let them work other places. Doesn't let them contract independently. <laughs> If Joey right, they're, Genella, they're, fake,
0: they're fake independent contractors in the WWE, right.
1: whereas
0: we think that it's probably they're probably going to be more genuine independent contractors here. Right. I mean, I would rather, of course, that all these
1: people be full employees. But the next best thing—it's—it's it's, it better in wrestling than what they have so far. If these guys can't actually work all their other dates, or you know, there's going to be some restrictions, I'm sure, but they can work other stuff and work all elite. I don't think that's a bad thing.
0: No, I uh, so I, I like big rosters personally, and it's probably not practical to have a giant on con or on contract exclusive roster. Uh or at least it, it kind of restricts you as far as variety and and being able to move guys in and out of focus in a wrestling promotion. So I think probably the way to effectively do that, especially when you're just getting the promotion started, and you're not really sure who's going to catch on. And who's not is having guys underneath on independent deals like Joey Janela and MJF and letting them continue to do their other stuff like MLW or the spring break shows, and letting them continue to uh, push their own merchandise and make their own money on merchandise and shit like that.
3: Yeah, and even more so, like we were talking a little bit earlier about working relationships. Having a larger roster that's genuine independent contractors, not this fake independent contractor where, let's be honest, a lot of what WWE is doing with sending people to progress, sending people to evolve, sending people to, to like Fight Club Pro, there, there is, of course, like, oh, make good aspect of it. But there's also, I feel like, that they're trying to say, oh, wait, contractors, they're working at other places. But a lot of those places, with the exception of Fight Club Pro, are subsidized by the wwe so when you like look at like the the potential of a stardom relationship and the already established owe relationship having these groups that can come in like shima and his kids could come in for two weeks or a taping do a bunch of do a bunch of matches and move out because they have their obligations elsewhere because anyone who comes in from stardom and is still signed to stardom their number one obligation is going to be with their native company and the same thing is with with uh, Shima and the OWE kids as well and if Pac is still a member of Dragon Gate this time he's going to have his obligations there because there's a reason why Pac started back in wrestling at Dragon Gate versus other promotions so I think this is good also because it if there are true independent contractors at least down below in the truest sense of the word then that allows these people to go do this and let them form a relationship like who's to say if I know Britt Baker did some stardom in the past. Maybe this is something that if she's, not, if she's an independent contractor versus a full-time employee, that she's doing that as well, and it's actually true independent contracting. What if Joey Janella decides to go to Shanghai to, or do something there? I mean, there's a lot of opportunities here, I feel like, through at least a larger roster that has some independent contractors that are true and actual independent contractors. And I think that's a clear distinction to be made.
0: I would love to see Sprig break Shanghai, personally. <laughs> That'd be a great show. Uh,
1: Yeah. And and I just kind of hope that even these independent contractors, hopefully as guys become like, and, and, and girls become full, you know, they're being used a lot. They're working a lot of the shows. I'm hoping that they will become employees. Yeah. I hear the, I hear the blowback on, well, do we really want these big exclusive rosters? But to me, it's kind of nice to only see, a person in one like as just as a fan i'm putting aside my politics for a second it's kind of nice just to see a person only in one place right. so that character that story work um i only associate with this one promotion and i can kind of keep all that together whereas you know the american indies i feel like have been it's kind of why i'm not really into it is it's like okay yeah i could watch uh Keith Lee, this isn't a great example, but you know, Keith Lee in this one storyline and beyond and this other one in Evolve, it's like, eh, I don't know. It's kind of oversaturation. So I think it can be cool if they just do, uh, if they have more exclusive talent. AT, you got to have a take somewhere on this.
2: Um, no, I agree. I think it's good to have like some exclusive deals. And I think just like, yeah, it's exciting to see some of these guys. Cause it's like the Indies, because people are working in so many different places. Like, there it's and because the wwe has been scooping up like so much talent all the time like you don't always get that score storyline continuity or sort of like that focus storyline because you never know like when you're gonna have different performers for different shows um so i don't know it'll be exciting i'm fired up i'm looking forward to it i don't have like (laughs) our first
1: fired
0: up here
2: yeah
1: (laughs) yeah i'm Uh, waiting for our first find Uh, (laughs) (laughs) there is
0: uh one other one other point on i didn't mention this earlier about jumps but it has been suggested that if we have instances of wwe talent i'm just going to say the fed because it's too hard to wrap my mouth around those w's if we have fed talent that believes their contract has been breached for example uh we know that they like to freeze contracts if guys are out with injuries and uh there's some question as to Uh, if that's proper when they're freezing it uh, by a, uh, time perspective rather than like by a date perspective, um, for independent contractors, there's a possibility that guys could have the backing of AEW or the cons. If they were to challenge those contracts, if they were to say, Hey, you breached my contract, you, you weren't allowed to freeze it when I've been, for example, injured and out touring Iceland or whatever, um, you know i i'm considering the contract null and void i'm going to aew and uh, showing up on their show uh we know that they have the means to bankroll those sort of challenges should they arrive and uh, it, uh you know people in the know have suggested that that's not an impossibility
2: yeah and that's i'm fired up for that i'm fired up for the first like per wwe person who jumps and is like fuck your independent contractor clause i'm fired up i'm fired up yeah i'm really excited for like ideally hopefully a company with a capital that can sort of like fund the lawsuits to fight like all of these like really legally dubious like loopholes and contract tricks wwe has, has used to like lock up guys like ray mysterio or brian danielson or what have you and and i'm and, like the other thing is like i just i can't wait for the first jump like i think that's gonna be the big like we're here right i'm so ready <laughs> For, you know, Rusev to show up at double or nothing or, you know, wow, he's Cesaro. Sights high. What? Wow, setting your sights high. Yeah. No, Rusev is great. Like, you're like, no, he is great. Dudes, I'm like, that'd be a huge right. jump. Right. Like, all these dudes who are, like, great and talented and just, like, locked but just, like, doing nothing on this terrible show that I'll never watch. And that, like, makes you that just, like, the WWE flattens so many of its performers and it will be so exciting to see them like leave and be in a fresh environment and like filled with life again.
0: An environment where like you enhance the performers instead of like deadening them. That would be fucking dope. Imagine yeah, it's, that. Imagine that's that. That's
2: crazy. That, yeah.
0: We need to think I, about
1: Yeah. And one of the other things that I'm, that I'm fired up about <laughs> is there's a real suggestion that this promotion is going to feature women. And not in like in the way that WWE does where it's clearly, you know, opportunistic. Um, and I hope not in the way that like ring of honor does where it's clearly an afterthought. There was, um, a, a tweet out today that quoted Brandy is saying that the double or nothing card would demonstrate how equally women are going to be treated in this promotion. So that reads to me that there's going to be a lot of women's matches on the show. It's not going to be the one four way, like we got at all in, uh, and after she said that, if there's not several women's matches, I'm going to be very disappointed. Uh, but I hope I, I'm I'm hopeful because Brandy did work Stardom. She's seen uh, some good talent in Japan, and they went after Mayu Watani. So they they have, must have some idea of who are the good women around the world. And so I'm really excited about the idea that this is going to be a good uh, women's wrestling promotion. And It sounds like it's going to be very Joshi centric. Now, I don't want them to go over and steal all my favorite Joshi's. That would uh, that would perturb me. Uh, But I'm excited. I don't know. Of course, the biggest news that came out about uh, working with women was that they said there was not going to be a sliding scale for women. And instead, they were going to be paid equal to the men, which like the dumbest people on earth thought meant that everybody on the card was going to be paid exactly the same. (laughs) <laughs> like, I
0: actually did not. I'm I'm glad I've curated my timeline to the point where I actually don't see takes that dumb anymore.
1: I mean, uh, how you could have possibly thought that just blows my mind how that was ever discussed. Anyway, it's clear that the point was that relative to the spot on the card, you know, the, the opening match people are going to be paid the same. Um, if there's a woman who rises to real main event level, I anticipate they're going to be paid the same amount of money that, not the same exact amount, but, you know, in the same uh, realm that guys like Jericho and Omega are going to make.
0: So, yeah, maybe not anticipate, but uh, expect. Well, maybe not expect. They should. They've said it. So now that they've said it, they should do that. Uh oh, yeah. whatever deliver on that remains to be seen. Um, but, yeah, it, I mean, the WWE's actually main eventing women is actually like their one strong point at this point in time. Like Becky Lynch is actually over and Charlotte's actually over and Rhonda actually over so it is uh sort of a tough act to follow in that regard that's maybe the one arena in which the WWE is doing good work so if this is going to be a competitive promotion they have to do great work as far as the women are concerned um but yeah that, I mean they they're saying the correct things at this point
1: but so here's the I, thing with I'm, so, I'm so, real quickly Mike here's the thing okay. with the WWE women they kind of lucked in to these four women Uh, which they've kind of abandoned Bailey, but uh, Charlotte and Sasha and Becky particularly, who are good to great workers in that group. And now they brought in Ronda Rousey. Uh, But I don't know that there is a... And they brought in, like, Kana and uh, or Asuka, uh, and, you know, now they're bringing in... Oh, he was
0: a real Joshi boy. He said Kana. How about that? I know.
1: Sorry. And they uh, brought in Kyrie and all these folks. But there's not a real... This isn't the point of the show, but anyway, there's nothing to me that shows there's a real development of these top level workers uh, like they had with those four that I was just talking about. So I'm not sure that the WWE women's division is always going to be as as hot as it is now.
0: No, they're certainly uh, at the you know, the, the crest of the wave, so to speak, probably like they're, you know, the people that they're calling up next are like the Lacey Evans. Um, right. And, you know, Alexa bliss is like their next most put most pushed woman, probably. So, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's not like I have hope in the WWE, but you know, certainly a tough act to follow for AEW at this
3: time. Absolutely.
0: Also, also work rates fake. (laughs) All right,
1: Mike, what did you have on the, on the women?
3: Yeah, I had one question, it's probably a pretty dumb question for y'all. Uh I know that Cody has already said that he's scouting the singles talent and that the Bucks are kind of the tag team agents. Are we to assume that Brandy in her role is doing the women scouting?
0: Yeah, we don't uh don't have to assume. Dave said that she is the shoot point person for oh, okay. the women's division. So, um yeah, that's that's another point is that she's going to be uh, leading that division and that department, that initiative. Um, also, yeah, Dave also said the Bucks are handling the tag team side of things, and so he's suggesting that there will be a big emphasis on tag teams and the
3: promotion. And actually, I think that's a really strong thing for this kind of promotion is having these – as much as I – that this is going to sound really corporate, having divisional heads, having Cody taking care of the men's singles, having the Bucks in, in charge of the tag teams, and having – Brandy in charge of the women, like, I think that's a very smart way that, at least that if they're going out there and scouting, they know what they're looking for. And I think that's a, something that you, we have not seen in very many promotions. Like I know that at least in some of the more collaborative, collaboratively done promotions, it's it's still more of a circle that decides it rather than saying, okay, this person is the point person for each one. So I think that's interesting.
1: Yeah. And it also makes it less likely that something's going to be forgotten. You know, mm-hmm. the, the way that tag heavyweight tag teams in uh, New Japan are often forgotten, sometimes juniors. Uh, you know, the way that certain divisions kind of get short shrift in promotions. If there's somebody for every division who's like, this is my baby, then, you know, it's much more likely that they're all going to be at least cared for. Whether they'll be good or not, you know, it's up for other people to decide. But they'll at least have someone who cares about
2: it. And it's exciting because it's like, I love tag team wrestling. I love tag teams. I love yeah, the bucks. Good. And it's just like, I love a hot tag. I love <laughs> a heat segment. I just love all the shit. And I just, <laughs> I just, I love, I love the teams. I love when they have matching gear. Love I gear. just love tag team wrestling. And, uh and I'm excited that it seems like there's a promotion that's going to really emphasize it because I feel like tag teams are just so um like forgotten about and underutilized. And you just like, I, you know, Tag teams should be in the main event, you know? Tag teams should be, you yeah, know? Think- and, and the Bucks obviously have done that in Ring of Honor and, like, sort of everywhere they were on the indies. Um, And I hope they, like, bring in some great teams to work with them. And I hope they just have, like, a really cool dynamic... Ta- I'm so sick of, like, watching a promotion where it's, like, the two tag teams are, like, the champions and, like, whoever's challenging them that month. I, I just, like, want a real... We like, watched a lot of evolve. <laughs> we watched a lot of evolve. We watched a lot of evolve. You know, before that I watched a lot of WWE. Like New Japan's like heavyweight tag team division is just a snooze fest. Like it's just like I don't know, the three ways, it's like I don't know. I want I want like tag titles to like mean something. And I feel like when like NXT was like at its peak, when I was really into NXT, like they had a great tag team division with uh, you know, Gable and Jordan and the revival and um, DIY and like, I don't know. I think it's like tag teams are exciting and fun. And uh, that's my thesis. <laughs>
1: Great. Yeah. Y- listeners are going to learn that I probably care the most about work of anybody in this group. Mm-hmm. They could not, not care that, less about work.
0: That's, I mean, that's not, uh, obviously I'm, uh, uh, I use a lot of hyperbole, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm more invested in the things that people do workers do to make the audience care about them whether that includes work or not is sort of beside the point so that i mean that's sort of like bte is a pro a weekly pro wrestling show cuz they get these pro wrestling fans invested in their stories despite there being no wrestling on the show whatsoever
1: yeah so i'll probably be the only person talk like when we actually get matches which we're a far way away from matches folks
0: uh, um, mike mike is like a dragon gate guy they do have yeah, some high work rate
3: <laughs> yeah and Something that I was going to say when AT brought up the tag teams was if one of the guys that really is not talked about as someone who really looked out for the young bucks early in their career was Shima. Shima was at PWG in 06 and 07. He saw these two kids from Orange County do more bang for their buck. And Shima is someone who just loves moves. He's a moves guy. He, he brought Ricochet over to drink initially because he saw the double moonsault on YouTube. So having someone like that, and of course that's the caveat that I've kind of said earlier that we don't know how much OWE is going to be involved, but having someone like Shima who might be one of the top ten multi-man match people of all time there, like helping out. Like I'm really stoked about some tag teams and some high work rate stuff. Like I like look at this roster right now and I'm like, okay, let's get some good Three ways and four ways, not the bad three ways and four ways that we see in New Japan, but like the Dragon Gate style, old school, three-way, six man tag matches. Like that's what I'm hoping is that we can see some of that going on here.
1: Okay. I guess I'll be the only one who talks about limb
2: selling
0: then. Yeah, fuck limb selling.
1: <laughs> it's it's fake.
2: Yeah, if you've never listened to uh Aaron Bentley on a podcast. The thing he's gonna get the most horny about. <laughs> gonna get so horny when like a wrestler um, like gets their arm beaten up, and then they try to do a move, and they like can't lift the guy because their arm is hurt. That's my shit. That's
1: extremely
2: yeah. my shit. Yeah, Aaron's gonna get really hot and bothered. Yeah, and you,
1: and you hear <laughs> me talk about, about who's compelling on top? I'll talk about that a lot. Yeah, <laughs> that's not a horny thing, no. <laughs> Okay, well, I think that's it. I think we've covered uh, everything that we set to uh, cover for this week's episode. Um, Like I said, this was us kind of getting into this and trying to get a sense of how it's going to go. But we will be back next week. You know, it may not be every what is tomorrow, Tuesday. It may not be every Tuesday, uh, but I guess it kind of depends when BTE comes out. It's going to be a big deal. If it comes out too late on Monday night, we may have to delay it a day. Uh, But we'll kind of see how that goes. Um, I want to get all, all our plugs in. Of course, the Twitter account is at everything A E W. Make sure you're subscribed. Uh, feel free to rate and review, of course. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Aaron like the car. Aaron Taub is at AP Taub. Mike Spears is at Fujiheya.
3: Fujiheya with two eyes like Don Fuji.
1: There you go. And Nate is at Epitasis, but you already knew that. So anybody else have anything you want to add in before we get out
3: of here? No, this was a blast, guys. I'm stoked to go on this journey with y'all. I think we have real interesting waters ahead of us as we go on the being the elite and everything elite. Oh, yeah, that, that's a one uh, away from me. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, I'm I'm fired up. I'm especially, you know, fired up to hang out with you guys and chat. I'm uh, even more fired up for when everything turns sour and we start getting the promoter in our DMs. I'm super (laughs) looking forward to that. Um, And then, you know, it's all going to pay off when we're all vice presidents down the line. So,
1: Yeah. Uh, And I want to tease that next week, uh, since we figure there may not be as much to go over, we're going to have to bring in some other segments for interest. So we're going to use what we have at our disposal. So Mike Spears is going to give us more of a breakdown of OWE and the guys that might be involved in AEW. Um, So look forward to that. Check back in. And I guess that's it for Aaron, Mike, and Nate. I'm Aaron. We'll see you next time.
0: Great interviews, analysis, music, and, and me, Matt Kuhn, on total engagement. Go to any podcast platforms
1: you to listen to today.